0: Hi, this is Savio. I've been seeking answers to some of life's most perplexing questions my entire life. In 2014, I was diagnosed with stage three cancer, and ever since, I realized my calling existed outside of what I knew to be familiar. This podcast is home for survivors like myself and those who yearn to build resilience in their mindset and live their best life. In season three, the show includes a mix of coaching sessions followed by interviews with those from all walks of life who have been successful in the wellness, business, media, and travel industries. The intent is to show the human experience in its rawest form so that others may glean insight. Nothing is rehearsed. As a board-certified wellness coach, number one best-selling author, and syndicated columnist, my job is to ask the deep questions of those trying to make sense of their place in this fractured world. I believe life speaks to us in different ways. Many of us listen, but don't know how or where to begin. As someone who has crossed the bridge between life and death, I say simply, begin where you are now and get busy living. If you liked today's episode, I would appreciate it if you could share it. Be sure to tag me at The Human Resolve so I can reciprocate in kind. So without further ado, welcome to The Human Resolve Podcast. Today's podcast guest is David Craig, co-founder and CEO of Grit Health, and two-time cancer survivor. As David states, "The universe teaches us until we are ready to learn, saying the things to each other we never knew how to say before." Hi, David. Good to see you.
1: So nice to see you.
0: Excellent. So, what would you like coaching on? Uh,
1: I've spent time really thinking about this moment in my life. And the the biggest area that um, is challenging me at the moment is trying to shift my mentality from focusing on outcomes to switching it to be more present on the moments that will lead to outcomes. And by that, I mean, both in my work and in my life, with my wife having a stage four cancer diagnosis... The outcomes can be binomial. She lives or she doesn't survive. And living in that space is or can be paralyzing. I really want to live in the space of how much we make of these moments today.
0: So what I'm hearing is sort of wrestling with the ideas of living in the present and living with this possible outcome or possible outcomes. Is
1: that correct? Yeah, yeah, and trying to lean into what, being present means, you know, some of it has to be the reality of cancer in our life this way, but there is so much in life that isn't cancer and balancing those.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So what would be a great outcome for today?
1: Mm. Um, (laughs) When I went through my own two cancer diagnoses, I didn't have any coping skills or techniques, you know, and I learned by making a lot of mistakes and this opportunity to try to think more proactively about how to handle those moments when I find myself obsessed about the outcome versus living in the present—you know, having a way to bring myself
0: back. Having a way to bring yourself back. Yeah. So, have you ever wrestled with something as major as as this in your life?
1: Um, I mean. Cancer has been a theme. I had two of my own diagnoses and then I lost my dad to bladder cancer. And, um, I would say that I used control or control ism as a way to try to get through those experiences. Like when my dad passed now 10 years ago in June, the first thing I did was an extreme like 10 day juice diet. And in my head, I told myself, "Oh, this is something healthy I can do for myself." But in reality, I was controlling everything I put in my mouth to try to feel like I had some sense of control when everything in my life felt like it was falling apart.
0: So you use control as a as a ways and means in order to do that. Yeah. And and in in this situation that you're going through right now, what's what's happening? Like, what's happening within your mind, your body?
1: Um, uh, boy, um, advanced cancer, um, and also the way science is advancing is so complex, you know, um, and my wife's switching to immunotherapy and going through stereotactic radiation and, you know, all these things I'm trying to be emotionally and intellectually at my best for every moment to make sure that I'm my best for her at every moment. And that's true in my work too, you know, in what I do during the day is in the same field. And I'm trying to bring that same best of me in each moment. And when you think about how, or when I think about just how incredibly sophisticated treatment and immunotherapy and all these things are getting, there's no way I can pretend that's in my control. I, I have to allow people who are experts in each area to be those experts
0: when you think about sort of outcomes what runs through your head
1: Mm. Um, to be entirely honest the terror of losing my wife
0: when you say that is that hit you anywhere in your body?
1: Oh, God. Um, everywhere. Uh, I feel tears in my eyes. I feel uh, hurt in my heart. It just everywhere.
0: What does your wife want from you?
1: <sighs> um, she has said several times over these last six weeks when it's been most intense that um, if she had the choice between more time but not knowing what we have and knowing what we have, she would choose this every time.
0: She would choose this every time. Did she explain?
1: Yeah, I mean... Uh, we both uh, live life or have used to live life in our heads. You know, <laughs> we try to intellectualize the world around us. And, you know, we, we, um, we try to both feel like we can learn and do things to control situations. And um, when, and when she and I started dating, one of the first spaces that we ever connect, we started calling it our bubble because it was like our, you know, our space together where we could let go of all those things. And, you know, we called it meeting in the middle because we could just be present in that space and everything that was outside of the bubble, you know, didn't matter in those moments. And, you know, we we've carried that theme through our relationship and into our marriage. And, you know, she and I have created that space sort of in these bubbles to just, you know, be with each other.
0: In your bubble, David, what is it that you want right now in your life?
1: Wow. Um, wow. Um, what we talk about often is um, the ways we've each modified who we are throughout life to try to fit into the environments that we find ourselves in. And that involves everything from how we operate in our jobs to both of us, you know, trying to be authentic to our identities and to um, how going through cancer twice for each of us has affected our relationship inside ourselves. And um, uh, Savio, everything has been touched. And so, you know, in this bubble, We feel like we can just be those things. It's a judgment-free space.
0: In your own cancer journey, what do you feel cancer wants from you?
1: Oh, I've never been asked that. Um, There is an expression that was the first way I tried to make sense of cancer. And that is uh, the universe teaches until we're ready to learn. And I went through my first cancer diagnosis at 25 in complete denial and thinking I was in control. My second cancer diagnosis took from me fertility and sexual performance. And in many ways, the body parts that I thought being a man meant and, you know, hormone production and all these profound things that move us through the world, you know, and it it took me three years after that to realize I needed to change. And that's when my life started to change. Losing my father was more than I could bear using that old model towards life. And so it really pushed me into change. And now with Ellis, our whole relationship has been, learning how to say the things to each other that we never knew how to say before. And we keep mining, you know, we, we shock ourselves just last week in the car. I told her something I've never told another human in my life. And those, those moments, if, if that is what cancer is trying to teach me, that is what I am most strongly grateful for.
0: Have you explored these talking points with your wife
1: before. Mm. Uh, when you say these talking points, do you mean the questions or the topics?
0: Both. <laughs>
1: um, we uh, we are both, you know, kind of sailors on the water in real time. You know, neither one of us have been in these waters before, and so. She's really wonderful about, you know, uh, being in her, the melanoma groups and learning from others. And, um, you know, I work with an organization of people that have gone through cancer and cancer caregivers. And, you know, we are incredibly open with each other, but I wouldn't say that means we know the questions.
0: Hmm. What do you suppose some of her questions might be? (laughs)
1: Um, I know the things that when we are able to um, sit through feelings that are too scary to discuss other times. uh, The things she cares most about are the people in her life um, having the life that she so passionately has tried to create around her you know and her nine-year-old daughter is first and foremost in that um and um I think for us um keeping gratitude and our love of life center even when um things that threaten that creep in
0: What's your wife's hopes and
1: dreams um, she's been searching for her um, voice and her way to feel seen for as long as she's been aware of her presence you know and a lot of things in her life pushed her backwards in that journey you know made her question her value or question her ability to be her and the steps she's taken um, to really claim her space and claim her identity and, you know, live in that. Um, It is a miracle to watch and one of the things I admire the most about her.
0: So how do you think that you might be able to help her along that since cancer, as you mentioned, sort of an unknown in your life right now and what Mm -hmm. it will take from you?
1: Um, <laughs> i grew up in a family that had multi-generational alcoholism and combat related ptsd my dad should have lost his life in vietnam And it was only because of his size and he was a bodybuilder that he survived the impact that the other men around him did not survive. And so I grew up in an environment where um, responsibility and taking care of the things around you uh, was first and foremost always, you know, I I mean, tactically taking care of the things around you. And part of why I, um, in centering before our conversation, really wanted to focus on being present versus being outcomes is because the things that matter most when you're present are different than that. The things that matter most are um, how the person you love feels and um, how strong your connection. Um, And so that is the, the mentality shift I'm working to be present towards.
0: So what are the things that matter the most to you
1: right now? Mm. Mm. Um, For me personally, it is um, having authenticity with myself and not not engineering my life in the way that I always did to show up and be who I am without watching how people respond to know how I should censor myself. That's how I've always lived. And based on how people respond, I've always been able to, Oh, well, you know, this is off limits or that's, you know, not comfortable and steer around those waters. And so for me showing up, to let people see what's in me and who I am is where I have to start everything from, or else I'm not honoring this gift that I have now.
0: <laughs> so what would be a step in the right direction for authenticity for you?
1: Hmm. Um, uh, I started uh, with a therapist now, probably five years ago. And I've had a couple that have really, really helped me in profound ways, mental health and, you know, so many ways that I never knew how to ask for support before. And I would say that that journey and being around the people that I'm around now and having the conversations that I have now have helped me feel connected to our humanity in ways that I never knew before, you know? And, and, you know, I think about, the connections and conversations that I get to have now in, in these really profound areas that I, you know, I didn't allow myself to, and I didn't know how to meet others in and I get to do that now. And it's almost like, you know, each, each opportunity I have to be fully human and to see somebody else as fully human, we take steps together into spaces that oftentimes haven't been stood in, you know, and that's, that's so, um, the more I allow myself to that is what I'm trying to work towards.
0: Are there any heavy parts in your life that you wish to let go
1: of? Uh, say the question again, please.
0: Are there any heavy areas or parts in your life that you wish to let go of right now? Oh.
1: <sighs> <sighs> um. Because of this focus on perfection, the times that outcomes haven't been what I hoped as perfect, I hold guilt and question about. And so um, not being so critical of myself or recognizing that I did the best with what I had at those times Uh, is something that's hard for me to do.
0: Does guilt still play a profound role in your life at the moment?
1: I would say less than it did when I started to be open and learn about vulnerability, but it certainly still has a large space inside me.
0: Is guilt, is guilt a theme right now with your wife's situation?
1: Wow. Uh, I, I haven't been present to it. <laughs> um, uh, but in knowing my operating model as a human these 45 years, I would just have to say that it does. Would
0: you like to explore this?
1: <laughs> yeah. Can, uh, can you help
0: yeah, so I just want you to get it comfortable in your seat. Take a couple of breaths in and out. Do a quick body scan. You can soften your gaze or close your eyes, whatever you feel most comfortable to do. Just want you to breathe into the different body parts I mentioned top of the head, forehead, the eyes. years, cheeks, nose, mouth, your lips, neck, shoulders, arms, hands, upper body, Torso, stomach, lower body, legs, your feet. Just so want you to take a couple more breaths in and out. David, when you feel into this idea of a, or this feeling of guilt, is that does that reside anywhere?
1: Um, when, when you just led through that, when you said mouth, I had a tingling sensation across the top of my scalp and, um, my mouth, my voice, my ability to talk is, uh, what I hold most sacred in terms of humanity, because (laughs) our voice is how we know we matter. Being able to speak what's inside of us and feel heard is to me what matters most. It's how I know I'm here and how I get to learn why others are here. And when you took me through that, when you said mouth, I just, I felt this connection across the top of my head and just to, to what is sort of most, most most forceful inside of me trying to live. I don't know. So I don't know if that answers your question, but that's what I felt.
0: Can you describe the sensation?
1: Mm, uh-huh. It was a rolling all the way across. I think it started in the back and rolled all almost as if each hair on my head became alive in progression. You know, I just, I felt this wave of sensation across the top of my head.
0: In this moment with this feeling, is there, something or things that you have not said to your wife that you need to say.
1: Um... We've grown to talk openly about um, talk openly about the things to do while she's here. Um, The things after She's here physically or heard. I'm sure that's the stuff that I uh, need to talk more about.
0: This feeling that you're feeling right now, does it have any more wisdom for you?
1: Uh, help me understand that. Please say, please say that again.
0: Yeah. This feeling that you're feeling right now and not saying some of the things you might need to say, does it have any any other pieces of information or wisdom that it could give you to help you move forward? <laughs>
1: Um, what we talk about and the journey that I've fallen in love with being on um, is that learning to talk about the things that we didn't know how to um, is what opens up the doors to the parts of life we didn't know how to access. And I just identified um, a part of both of our lives that I've not allowed myself to open up to.
0: David, what do you know to be true in this life?
1: Well, um, your use of the word true in that question is profound to me. What I know to be true is that the things that have affected me the most and the things that have made me feel the most alive are not the things that I tried to intellectualize or learn or study, um, but they are the things that I almost can't explain, you know, the um, the feeling of love that cuts across boundaries or um, the way um, people share the things that are inside of them that they thought the world or themselves could never accept, you know, to me, truth lives in that space. It is, it is allowing ourselves to connect to that stuff that for whatever reason we felt had to live in a separate compartment, and being human is not holding those compartments, being fully human.
0: And regardless of the outcome, what do you know to be true?
1: Mm. It- um, wow. Um, re- regardless of, of any outcome, uh, Not, not allowing, not forcing myself to hold these things in containers, um, it, it, to allow them to be a part of me now is the summation of what I hope my life comes to. Not, not regretting holding back
0: in any moment. Not holding back in any moment. And if you were to unlock one of the containers, how would you, how would you go about doing that? Um,
1: uh, um, Ellis, uh, um, Ellis has a, so Alice has a way that she wants to share her love of travel and love of uh, new experiences um, um, with the people she with the people she loves um, and I've uh, I've allowed her to share you know her ideas and things and I've listened and you know um, been present with her you um, <laughs> But I haven't found the courage to ask questions about that space.
0: What would be a deterrent in starting that conversation for you?
1: Only my own limitations. <laughs> and we have, uh, having just completed. Uh, some really intense rounds and days of treatment. We have a quiet weekend home alone together this weekend. And so um, I know what, I know how I want to spend part of our time together this weekend.
0: And how would you hold yourself accountable to that?
1: Mm, That's a great question. Um, Saying things out loud is my bond. And so once I've, you know, orated it or articulated it, it it like has a a reality in the world to me. Um, And so, that's sort of my benchmark. Um, But to connect to the things that I really wanted to mean and be, I have to write it to see it, you know, words back to me. And so my accountability will be to write down the questions that I want to ask her in the conversation this weekend.
0: David, we talked a lot in the beginning about all these feelings and emotions surrounding your wife and everything else happening in your life and this idea of being present in this moment, did you feel the most present, the most connected?
1: Uh, I, I had no awareness of anything else. So I, I believe that is um, I believe that is being present.
0: What do you suppose is the difference between this and your day to day?
1: Oh, I, in my day-to-day, I allow myself to fill my mind with all the things that I have to do and the things that I have to get done. And um, activity, busyness has always been my way of um, feeling in control. And to sit in moments like this where my mental checklist is not the dominant thought, um, that, that, that for me is where I can start to Feel like something different is possible.
0: And how does that mouth tingling <laughs> feeling? How does that feel right now? <laughs>
1: um, uh, I uh, I'm I'm really shocked that I don't feel scared to write down my questions.
0: You don't feel shocked to write them down? No,
1: I don't feel scared. You know the first time we say something is always terrifying, you know, and, um, I don't have that, that fear. I, I have, um, I have an interest now and in eagerness to hear what Alice shares with me.
0: Wow. Okay. Well, <laughs> do you feel complete? Is this a good point to transition to the interview portion?
1: It is a wonderful point. Thank you.
0: Sure. So David Craig, tell my audience more about you, you, your work, your passions in life.
1: (laughs) Oh, gosh. Um, uh, The only way to answer that question is to share with you how I arrived at this point. And so um, my my career, my work in life uh, was research, Um, and it was very intellectual work and um, very educated work and um, it was also my way to uh, further carry out my engineering model, you know, to feel like I had control over things. Um, and when my life started to break, when that identity started to break, um, I left that world and started in patient advocacy um, and uh, volunteered with an organization called Stupid Cancer which is the young adult cancer advocacy organization. And uh, I spent several years volunteering and then working and joining the board. And uh, it really transformed my life in, and in the way that I didn't feel like being broken was my fault. I didn't feel any longer like I was guilty or I was, should be ashamed of where I was. It, It gave me that back. And so, the work that I started after that is an organization uh, called Grit Health and it's spelled G-R-Y-T. And we named the organization that because uh, our, our co-founder and my chairwoman, Shelly Nolden, um, she was diagnosed with advanced APL leukemia in her early thirties. She was 20 weeks pregnant and she lost her baby. That's how she found out she had the cancer. And uh, she spent more than 30 days in the hospital fighting for her life, some of that in the ICU. And in that um, most intense and most traumatic experience of pain and loss and fear, uh, she wrote a blog called True Grit, and it was about how the things in life that really test us, we don't go through alone, you know, the people come together around us. And so we named our organization Grit Health to honor that, you know, her journey and that perspective that we are together in this. And um, we we do programs and we host virtual events, and and all of them are about helping people find and use their voice and saying the things that in the outside world oftentimes don't fit. And so, you know, we have these really profound conversations among. People living them and experts who support them and researchers who are trying to improve them. We bring all these people together around the topics that affect us most, most after a diagnosis. And so I now have the honor of hearing from people what their experience is like and working with, you know, medicines developers and individuals that are really trying to improve those outcomes.
0: David, there's someone, an audience member, a listener listening to this that just been told they had cancer or a family member just been told. What would you say to them?
1: When you're ready. Look for or look to people that are starting to process what can only be overwhelming in the beginning And by that, I mean, um, the first moment anybody gave me that gift was a woman, uh, Melinda Hood, and she was at the Young Adult Cancer Conference and she was running around with a plushie in front of her of a woman's reproductive system. And she was saying, this one's not going to kill me. This one's not going to kill me. And I remember, I'm sure with my jaw open, you know because me being a two-time testicular cancer survivor and all of the the shame and the pain and the trauma of not being able to be a father and not being able to do those things i saw her taking control over what that must have been like in her life and that that moment changed me forever i saw that i could have a voice and that i could talk about those things and i credit melinda and that moment of being the first time after my diagnosis that somebody showed me, I didn't have to trap all that stuff inside. Mm.
0: You now, there's a, the science aspect of cancer, right? treatments, medical, senior doctor. But I, I've often said that a lot of the healing takes place at home. So what would you say, as someone who's an expert in this field, that individuals can do to be more proactive with healing? beyond just the medical aspect.
1: Yeah. I'll connect it to what I came into our conversation wanting to talk about. You know, outcomes are meant to be measurements of what we achieve after a diagnosis. And those outcomes by design sort of have to be neat. You know, how long do you live? How is your mental health? You know, these, these things have to be measurable and quantifiable, but humanity isn't that way, you know, and the more we rush to measure an outcome, the more we almost cut off all of the healing that continues from that point, you know? And so I try to balance that the real healing is our humanity because a diagnosis can steal that, you know, we, we are poked and prodded and, you know, treated and all these things, you kind of almost have to harden yourself inside to get through that, you know, just to survive. And the process of reclaiming our humanity afterwards to me is real healing. And I think if we're really lucky, if we are able to, to feel courageous, we actually go past the point that we entered cancer with and we become more human. And to me, that's the miracle.
0: So what are you most excited about in terms of innovation when it comes to cancer?
1: Yeah. Oof. Uh, I mean, the, <laughs> this is why I get up early every morning is to be a part of this. Um, uh, in the last few years, the FDA passed new guidelines about patient experience data, right? And this is for the first time in a hundred years of medicines, regulated medicines development, learning from the humans with the disease in their own voice is now a part of the future of healthcare, wow. and we get we get to be a part of that. You know, it's it's no longer enough to say how are your patients doing or what does the data show. We now have to include from those individuals living the experience how they're being affected, and when I think about just innovation and the potential for changing lives, it is only gonna come from including the voices that need to be heard. And that that is what drives me every day to be a part of this with all that I am.
0: What are some misconceptions or myths that you've encountered in your work that you would like to dispel?
1: Mm. Uh, we, We talk about this a lot, a lot with our team um when, when people hear the word research you know they for many very valid and important reasons have perceptions of what that means and there has been really awful evil mistrust involved in research you can't talk about research without acknowledging why these perceptions exist and for us for individuals that have gone through cancer and diagnoses and now learn what we care about is not not the the academic definition of research but how we create ways to learn the things that haven't been understood before you know and the more we move into different human lives and the ways different humans experience their diagnosis the more we can do things to personalize their care you know and Um, My my greatest hope is that when somebody faces a diagnosis, the first thought is about where that person is and is starting from so that we can be part of the journey from that point. Meeting them with anything other than where they are already creates a gap. And I, I want a world where we meet people where they are and understand where they want to go, so that we can use medicine and leverage resources to help them. That, that, to me, is personal care.
0: I think President Biden declared or proclaimed that by 2030, I think I'm correct, or 2040, that we could make a huge dent in eradicating cancer. Is that even a realistic endeavor, you think?
1: I think the goal is the right goal. What I think is not being talked about enough is the real life experiences that have to be addressed to make that attainable. And by that, I mean, there are 13 indigenous oncologists in the entire United States. One. And so if you are an indigenous American and you want to be seen who under, by somebody who understands your journey and what matters to you. Um, you've got 13 people to choose from. That's that's not that's not representative. We we need to address those gaps before or in order to be able to achieve the moonshot goals. Because it is the humans who are collectively a part of it that will make that possible.
0: You know, none of us really know why cancer came into our lives. None of us really know why anything really bad comes into our lives. But we're always looking for meaning as humans. What do you think the overall meaning may be for individuals like ourselves who've had to cross that bridge?
1: Yeah. Um, I have no doubt, Savio, that if it weren't for cancer, I would, if I was lucky, Uh, arrive at 70 or 80 years old and realize how many decades I had missed. Wow. And now, now because of, because of, I wouldn't just say because of cancer, but because of what the humans in my life as a result of it have shown me is how alive we get to feel now. And for however long we have that gift, I will be profoundly grateful for that.
0: Yeah, and I can can attest to that. I wouldn't be doing this work if cancer didn't come into my life as well. Well, this was such a beautiful conversation, David. Can you please tell my audience where they can find you, you, your work online?
1: I would be honored to, thank you. Um, The easiest place is to visit our website at grithealth.com and it's spelled G-R-Y-T health.com and we're across social channels and just I encourage you to peek at the faces that greet you because those are the authentic faces of our team and our community who are making these remarkable strides to be fully human
0: wonderful well thank you so so much I really really love today's conversation thanks David. Uh,
1: I do as well and I'm so grateful for what I get to do this weekend with my wife
0: wonderful thank you again I really hope you enjoyed listening to today's podcast episode of The Human Resolve. If you feel that others may enjoy this episode as well, please share socially at The Human Resolve. You can also visit my website, thehumanresolve.com, where I offer one-on-one coaching sessions, a subscription to my weekly newsletter, where I probe into the secrets from living smarter to feeding your three brains, and my author website, isurvivedcancer.co, well, you can purchase my number one best-selling book, I Survived Cancer and Here's How I Did It. 35 cancer survivors share their journey and view the book trailer, including excerpts from the book. If you could also help me out and give me a review and rating on this podcast platform, because I do care what you have to say, I would really appreciate it. Now, get out there, my friends, and get busy living.